Hey, happy Father's Day. I I knew that we had a video, but I didn't I didn't know it was going to be that cute. Uh, uh, happy Father's Day to all the amazing uh, fathers we have in our church family and among our friends. And um, hey, um, this Father's Day, I don't know about you, but in celebrating Father's Day, since I can't go out on Father's Day, I am going in. And I, what I mean by that is I am going to take a lot of food and bring it into my body. And so um, I'm going to bring the happy into happy Father's Day. And again, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Uh, I'm going to pray for all our dads and all their granddads. And uh, why don't you do this? Why don't, what, when I'm praying for them, if you got a dad in your house, why don't you just like kind of subtly walk up to them and lay a hand on their shoulder? It's a hand of love, not on their head. That doesn't feel right on their shoulder. My kids do not need to come into this room because I'm about to pray. And um, so we're going to pray for dads. And then we're going to go back to our series addressing racial justice. Um, and so, but let's pray for our dads first. Okay, please join me. <clears throat> Dear Father, please bless every father and every grandfather joining us today. We give thanks for these men. Thank you for their hard work. Thank you for these responsible men who love their families. Thank you for men who change the diapers without being told to. Thank you for men who unload the dishwasher without applause. Thank you for the little acts of service they do that go unnoticed, perhaps, except by you. We pray for our fathers that their lives, their thoughts, their desires, what they do, that all of it and all of them would honor you, would make much of your beautiful sacred name. Let your will be done in their lives. Please, Father, let our fathers know that he, that they are not alone in the task that you have given them to do, to support all those under his care. Please bless the fruit of his work, but don't let him be defined by it. We men, we struggle with that, for he is not just your servant, but he is your son, one and born by grace. Father, as a father, please forgive me. Please forgive us for all the ways, all the ways we fall short of being the father that we should be. We know that we can do better, but help us not try harder, but to lean harder in your power and in your grace. Please forgive us and help us to forgive all those who have ever hurt us, every individual, every people group. Help us to keep the slate clean by your blood. And please lead our fathers not into the path of temptation or anxiety or pride. Help us to be the first to say sorry. Help us not to idolize our work. Keep our path true. Protect us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Ah, amen. All right. Whew. Okay. Now, um, back to our series. 
Have you ever read the book of Jonah? Uh, when was the last time you read it? The book of Jonah. Now, this book seems to be about many things. It's about missions. It's about struggling to believe and trust in God. Yes, it's about all these things. But recently, I realized it's also a book about race. Did you know that? In fact, Tim Keller writes a book about Jonah, and he puts race at the very top of the list of what this book is about. Now, before we go in, I want us to just set everyone's expectations right. Um, this is not a go and do message. You know, that will come later. This is more, I want to tell you a story kind of message. And I, I love stories. And so it's really a story for the heart. Okay. Jonah chapter one, verse one. Here we go. You all ready? Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Okay, now when we read this book, you know, normally we think of it, it's like a cute story that you want to tell your kids, you know, and their favorite part is when the whale comes and swallows Jonah. Okay, let me say, this book was a shocker in its time. This book was hugely offensive to people who first heard the story. Now, let me explain. Jonah was the first Hebrew prophet called to leave Israel and to go to a Gentile city. Up until then, prophets had been sent only to God's people, only to the Jews, only to their own people group. Plus, Jonah was intensely, intensely patriotic. And we see him in 2 Kings uh, 14.25, which tells us that he ministered during the reign of King Jeroboam, and Jonah supported his aggressive military nationalistic policy. So, Jonah is intensely, intensely patriotic. He loves his own people. He loves the Jewish people. Maybe he loves them a little bit too much uh, to the point of being ethnocentric, to the point where he loved his own people so much he didn't really care about other people groups, to the point of disdain. So does that mean that Jonah is like that relative in the family, you know, who says stuff they shouldn't say? You know what I mean, right? Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Old Testament prophets are people of the utmost integrity. They are deeply, deeply religious people and have a special connection with God in order to be his mouthpiece. And that's all true, all true with Jonah. Deeply, deeply religious. Check. Special connection with God. Check. But let's be honest. He was also deeply flawed and he seemed to have a bias against other people groups. You're going to see that more in chapter four. So why would God choose him, right? Uh, we'll come back to that question, I promise you. But maybe it's easier to understand Jonah when you consider that Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. And Assyria was one of the cruelest, most violent, most oppressive empires in ancient times. So maybe that's why Jonah didn't seem to like him. So Jonah gets this word from the Lord to go to Nineveh. 
Now, we don't know what his internal dialogue was in chapter one, but if you skip ahead, chapter four, you kind of realize that it must have been something like Jonah saying inside, like, God, are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, he had a hard time trusting God. But, but inside he was like, um, I, I bet you're going to forgive those people, you know, them, those people. So what does Jonah do? He, he, he runs, he runs the other way. He runs. Uh, Jonah gets this word from the Lord to go to Nineveh and he runs opposite direction. Tarshish, according to the ancient Israelite, was as far west as you can possibly go and find civilization. So imagine him buying a ticket, going one ticket to not Nineveh, please. Okay, verse four. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. He got in a boat, went the other direction. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea. So that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners are afraid. And each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah has gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean? You sleeper, arise, call out to your God. Okay, now listen, <laughs> a storm is raging, the boat is sinking, and get this, Jonah goes down into, it's called the hold, like that, that part of the, of the boat. And get this, he goes down to take a oh, nice long nap. <laughs> Actually, this is not funny. You know, it's like you laugh or you cry, but this is the picture of the deeply religious man from the privileged community. While the storm is raging, the boat is sinking. Yeah, I think I'm going to go down to the hold and take a nice long nap. Just, you know, like. But, in, but, you know, okay, if I'm being honest, um, uh, that's kind of how I felt. Like when I was sheltered in place and the world was like on fire from racial injustice, I, 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 wanted, I wanted to hide away. I wanted to shelter in place and, you know, somebody like wake me up when it's all over, you know? So it's like, hey, Jonah, Jonah. What are you doing, right? That's what the captain is saying. He wakes them up like, what do you mean, you sleeper? You know, uh, how can you be asleep at a time like this? It means, Jonah, don't you care that the ship that you are on is about to sink? All right, all right, all right. put it this way, put it this way. If systemic racism against blacks in our society is a raging problem, then isn't it a problem for everyone in the boat, right? If the boat sinks Jonah, don't you like go down with it technically, right? And so for one moment, Jonah is in the same boat with these sailors and the storm that threatens one person threatens the entire community. Okay, verse seven, verse seven. And they said to one another, Come, 
let us cast lots that they may know that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. And so they cast lots and the lot, sure enough, fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? Okay, now this is funny. Jonah originally was called to go and minister to the Ninevites, you know, to those people. And so he runs the other way only to interact with more of those people, okay? How we interact with people seems to be a big theme in this book, right? Okay, so the, the sailors cast lots. Now, modern day equivalent is like, it's like you grab a deck of cards, you know, and you, sp- okay, everyone take a card, everyone take a card, right? And whoever picks the queen of spades is the culprit, okay? And so the lot, you know, Jonah picks a card. Sure enough, it's the queen of spades. Imagine Jonah like looking up and going, oh, thank you, God. You know, like, and all the eyes are on Jonah. All eyes are on Jonah. Like every, you know, and they're all like tossed by the, you know, they're they're all in. All right, tell us your story. And so Jonah bears his soul. He bears his soul. And the men say, they ask Jonah, okay, what do you think we should do? What do you think we should do? And Jonah says, now this is, this is, this is quite some movement. Jonah says, throw me in the ocean, throw me in. Now for the first time, Jonah finally starts to take responsibility. But interestingly, he's not doing it because he's looking per se at God. He's doing it because he's looking at men, at people. Maybe for the first time, Jonah stopped othering people. To other a person is to categorize people and to focus in all the ways that they're different from you. And then you just reduce them. You reduce them to those characteristics. It is to dehumanize. Maybe for the first time, Jonah seems to see the imago Dei in other people, in the faces of all the men looking back at him. The image of God, the imago Dei, and he realized these men are the same as me. We have a lot in common. And so Jonah says, now I'm paraphrasing, okay, throw me in. The, and the sailors object, they go, no, 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 let's, let's row harder. So they're rowing harder, they're rowing, but to no avail. You can't row against God. And, and Jonah says, listen to me. You need to do this to live. Throw me in. Throw me in. Now he's willing to sacrifice himself for the sailors. The sailors do it reluctantly. They, you know, they, they, whoa, and they, they, they throw him in the ocean. And uh, sure enough, the wind at that moment calms down. The sailors are just amazed, you know, like, and they actually make vows to the God of Jonah out of amazement. Now we go to chapter two. Jonah is, by the grace of God, rescued and saved by a whale, right? Probably like, you know, like a a sperm whale could actually swallow a whole man, no problem, you know, but... So for three days and three nights, Jonah is sheltered in place, you know, and he prays. Now, there's a lot of elements to this prayer, but the prayer kind of goes like this. This is my own paraphrase. It's like, Lord, I've done nothing 
to deserve this. You saving me through the whale. Thank you for saving me. Now, the prayer is more than that, but it's certainly not less than that. Now, three days later, now this is where the Bible actually gets more interesting than the kids' version. It says, verse 10, the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Okay, that one was for my kids in the other room. It vomited the Jonah out. And then chapter three, verse one, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. And this time, Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Okay, now people are thinking like in the book, this is the, this is the turning point, right? This is the turning point. Ah, hold on, hold on. Not exactly. Keep on reading. Sometimes it takes deeply religious people a while to get there, okay? So Jonah goes to Nineveh and he starts preaching, yes, about the wrath of God. And an unexpected thing happens. The Ninevites believe Jonah. And everyone from the king all the way to the lowest servant, the entire city repents. And the text says they turned from their evil way. Now, the city does something unexpected, right? They turn from their evil ways. And God does something unexpected. The text says, when God saw what they did, verse 10, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Now, God later explains to Jonah that he had pity on Nineveh. In other words, God relented because he had compassion. Now, the word compassion in Latin is pati. Cum. Let me hear you guys turn to someone and say, pati cum, okay? It means to suffer with. It's to be so attached to someone that their pain is yours. For God to say that he has compassion on a people group other than Israel is no small thing. It means he's attached to them. He has hitched his happiness to theirs. Now, it's a little crazy for God to say this. And let me explain. You and I have needs, right? And so when, when, when something or someone is providing for our emotional needs, we get attached. But here's the thing. God needs nothing. So how could he get attached to people? The only answer that makes sense is this. He chooses to. He is the compassionate God. And he chooses to be attached to people so that their pain is his own. And so he relents. God relents. Now, <laughs> this is a really good thing. Amen? This is a really good thing, right? I mean, you expect Jonah to return to his land rejoicing, you know, you know, the banner mission accomplished. The entire city repented and everyone's like, woo Yes, Jonah. You know, he's like, oh, well, thank you. I'd like to thank my father. I'd like to thank my mother. I'd like to thank the whale that God sent. You know, it's not how the story ends. 
chapter 4, verse 1. But it, the Lord having mercy on the Ninevites, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? This is, this is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. Okay, this is why. Okay, here it comes. Here's the reason why. Here's the re- he was what going on inside him. He goes, for I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to, to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Like when was the, when did someone ever accuse God of that? But here he is, you know, Ur! therefore now, oh Lord, take my life from me. It's better for me to die than to live. You know, that, that, that's what Jonah is saying. Okay. So now let me get this straight, Jonah. Let me get this straight. Um, Jonah, if God was merciful and gracious to Jews, you'd be happy, right? All right. I mean, when, when you were like in the sea about to drown and God saved a whale out of mercy, you're happy, right? Okay. Okay. Okay, work with me here. So you're telling me that when God has mercy on a people of another race, now you're angry? Oh my goodness. Wow. Okay, which goes back to that question. Why did God choose Jonah to be his prophet? He is privileged, a leader among privileged people. He's obtuse self-absorbed okay let's be honest he's he's a bigot you know like he's got huge blind spots why oh why god did you choose jonah all right here's here's one reason i got two reasons here's one reason why jonah is such a bad prophet and i think one of the reasons why is because it makes you long for the true prophet Jonah would not shed a tear for those people. Jesus was known as a man of sorrows. For every one time it is mentioned that he laughed, there are 20 times where it is mentioned that he cried. Jesus is the weeping God of Jonah 4 in human form. He is the prophet that Jonah should have been. And he didn't just weep for other people. He died for them. He died for us. Jonah went outside the city to watch it burn. Jesus went outside the city to bring it life. Now, here's the second reason why I think God chose Jonah. I'm starting to realize that it wasn't just a mission through Jonah. It was a mission to Jonah. And you know this by watching how the story ends. Jonah is sulking. It's crazy hot. And, uh, and so God blesses Jonah by providing a plant that grows these unusually large leaves, you know, and it gives Jonah shade in the hot, hot sun. Now, listen, when you're depressed, you're deeply depressed, there's little pleasures that mean a lot. So Jonah is like enjoying like shade in the hot sun. And then God sends a worm to eat away at the roots of the plant and the plant dies and Jonah flies into another rage. Okay. Now at the end of the story, 
God is sort of going, hey, Jonah, 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 you're weeping over plants. But my compassion is for people. Imagine God saying to us, people I love, you're weeping over looting. But my compassion is for people. And at the end of the book, it's like God saying to Jonah, it's like he's pleading to Jonah, Jonah, should I not love this city? And should you not join me? But Jonah, he's got his arms crossed, you know, he's got the scowl on his face and he's shaking his head and he's like, you know, so what is he going to do? We don't know. We don't know. That's how the story ends. You see, this book is not just a mission to the Ninevites through Jonah. It's a mission to the very heart of Jonah. Now, let me, let, me, let me share a little bit of my own story. You know, racial injustice has been around for a long time, but I'm going to be honest with you. It's only recently that I've really started to care. And I, I, I was sharing this with my wife, my wife, my wife, my wife recently. And uh, we're trying to figure out why it is that this time around, um, it's, it's really kind of, affected us and we're really kind of working stuff out on a heart level like what's going on and so she says to me i think i know why this time around we're really feeling it i think i know why it's because of the young people in our church that's what she says to me and when she said that i knew she was right i think one of the coolest things about being in an intergenerational church is that all the generations learn from each other and i care in a sense because I'm connected to them or they've helped me care. And the same blood that flows through them also flows through me because we're in the same body, the same church. Now, this is what happened. So a month ago, I was talking to Quest on the phone. He's, a, he's one of our young adults. And that was after Ahmad Arbery was shot. And he says to me, he says to me on the phone, he goes, man, I'm having a really hard week. I'm just like, it's just been very emotional for me. And in that conversation, I'm a little embarrassed because I've been like hiding away all week, you know? You know, I haven't really wanted to be involved. My heart's not really involved. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like Jonah, you know? But I, I wouldn't have said that then, right? And then the next week, Caitlin, another young adult that we're close to, was very, very hit by everything. And so then I decided, okay, okay, you know, I'm going to watch the George Floyd video and I watched the video and my heart just broke. And I finally understood my, my heart changed, you know? So who is Jonah? Don't you see? I am Jonah. Or I was maybe in certain ways I still am. You know, it, it takes deeply religious people a while to get it. But God is too holy and too loving to destroy people like Jonah. And he's too holy and too loving to allow Jonah's to remain as they are. So he says to Jonah and he says to us, should I not love this city? And should you not join me? Church family and friends, can I ask you all a question? Do you see a little Jonah inside you? 
the thing with Jonah is that he had huge blind spots. He couldn't even see his own blind spots. Let me ask you again. Is there a little Jonah inside you? Is God calling us to care for other people groups? Is there some resistance inside you? Are we more concerned about our comfort in the shade? Shouldn't we join God in the wideness of his mercy? Now, I'm going to give you a minute just to do a little business with God. And then Pastor Ben will lead us in communion. But this minute is for you just to do a little bit of, of soul searching with God. And I'm gonna, we're going to flash a verse that you can pray. And then you can just ask the Holy Spirit to search you. This next minute is yours to pray. So why don't you go ahead and just make that your prayer.